Let's give it up this morning for our volunteers. Man, they did a great job this morning. Isn't it awesome that we have volunteers that can step in uh, even when our, our staff are taking the day off and they do such a great job. So we are so grateful for them. Well, this morning, uh, my name is Ben, as Clayton said, and uh, I'm excited to be able to share with you a little bit this morning from God's Word. For those of you that, that don't know me, um, we've been here at Central for a little over a year. This is our family. Uh, my wife, Kendra, who's sitting over here on the front row, and then our two kids, Josiah and Maylee. Uh, Josiah is 15 and uh, is going to be a sophomore this next year, and then Maylee is our 11-year-old there. So our family, uh, prior to being at Central, we were overseas for about 11 years uh, on the mission field, and uh, we worked with the International Mission Board and uh, did church planting overseas in, in East Asia. And so I'm, I'm excited to be able to share with you guys this morning about, uh, as we continue this series, as we're talking about ordinary heroes, right? And if you were here last week, Clayton did a great job uh, talking about the ordinary hero of Luke, who was the the writer of the Gospel of Luke. Um, he was a, a missionary companion to Paul, and uh, he used his life, he leveraged his life for the Gospel and for uh, the sake of the kingdom. And so this morning we're going to continue that series and uh, talk about another kind of ordinary or unsung hero of the Bible. And so, um, yeah, let's, let's jump into it. If you guys want to, you can download our digital bulletin, uh, download the sermon notes, and be able to follow along with that as well. So, so this morning, we're going to look at one short verse in, in Scripture, and if you, you want to go ahead and bring that up. Uh, so this was a passage that uh, Clayton picked out for me to be able to preach this morning, and it's Colossians 4, verse 15. It says, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church at her house. That's it. Uh, thanks, Clayton. He's, uh, he's not in here, but uh, yeah. Uh, thanks, Clayton. You know, next week he's, he's uh, probably going to preach on Moses, you know, somebody like that. that's just an ordinary person in the Bible or Luke, you know. Um, so no, this morning, this is the passage that we're going to look at. We're going to look at the person of Nympha. And uh, even though it's a, a short passage, I, I trust that God has something to, to speak to us about this morning. You know, Second Timothy 3.16, it says that all Scripture is God-breathed and it is useful. And so we can trust, even in a short passage like this, that God has something to speak to us. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord to do that. Father, we thank you this morning that we get to look at uh, this passage of Scripture. Uh, we, we ask that even in the, the short uh, passage that we have this morning, that you would open uh, our eyes and our minds and our hearts to what it is that you have to say to us today. Father, thank you that you've given us this verse. And we pray that you would uh, just bless our time that we have this morning, that you would speak to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me give us a little bit of background on uh, this passage in Colossians. So Colossians was uh, a book of the Bible. It was written by the Apostle Paul. And it was a letter that he was writing to the church at Colossae. But it was also, uh, he was also addressing several other churches that were kind of in that area. And in this passage specifically, uh, he was wrapping up that book. He was, he was giving kind of a, a final greeting to uh, those that he knew in the church at Colossae and Laodicea 
and was mentioning several different people, kind of sending his well wishes to, uh, to the friends and the colleagues, the different people that he had worked with as he had shared the gospel in that area. And so that's where uh, we run into the character of Nympha. It mentions, you know, uh, to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church at her house. So who was Nympha? Uh, Nympha was somebody that Paul remembered and recognized. So there's not a lot in this, but we, we can see that Nympha was somebody that Paul remembered and recognized. In that verse, it talks about how Paul was sending the greetings to her, uh, was sending the greetings to the Laodicea. So she was known by Paul. She was mentioned by name. Paul actually knew who she was. We know that she had a house, and we know that the church met at her house, and we know that she made it into the Bible. But it's enough, right? I mean, it's not a lot, right? But, but it's still enough. It's enough to, 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 be, to be known by the Apostle Paul. I mean, that alone. Can you imagine? I mean, if, if my name was, you know, mentioned in a letter that Paul wrote to anybody, I'd be like, okay, I've arrived in life. Like, you know, I've done something right in my life, the fact that I was mentioned by Paul. And Paul knew who Nympha was. You know, even as he was sitting in a Roman prison under persecution, he was able to remember back to Nympha and the church that was meeting at her house, and he recognized her. So it's not, uh, that's, that, that's enough. I mean, that's enough for us to be able to, to, to know who she is, but uh, this, wasn't, this was something that the church uh, did in the first century. You know, he talks about how uh, the, the church was meeting at her house, and this was something that was normal for the church to do that. Um, churches met in all sorts of different kinds of places. You know, the church met in public places like the Jewish synagogue. The church met in places like the Hall of Tyrannus. Uh, the church met in, even in private homes like Nympha's home and, you know, other places like uh, Aquila and Priscilla's house and even uh, the home of, of Mary. And so this was something that was normal uh, for the church to do. And yet, uh, Paul recognized that. He recognized that she was being faithful in that. One of the blessings that I've had in, uh, in my ministry and in the travels that I've been able to do as we've worked overseas is I've been able to see the church in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. I've seen, you know, the world's largest megachurch uh, in South Korea in this massive building. Uh, I've seen churches that are you know, literally like garage door, roll-up storefront businesses where the church, you know, meets inside of that, that small space. I've seen churches that uh, are on bamboo huts that are hovering over rice fields in Southeast Asia. And one of the things that I would say that's consistent among all the churches that I've visited, all the places that I've, that I've seen, is that the church is where very ordinary people meet with an extraordinary God. And that's what Nympha did, right? She opened up her home so that others would have an opportunity to be able to meet with that God. So here's what made Nympha somebody to be remembered by Paul. Nympha avoided the chaos. Nympha avoided the chaos. Have you guys heard of this? Chaos. Do you know what chaos is? Chaos is can't have anyone over syndrome. Maybe you've suffered from chaos in your life. Um, you know, let, let me ask you this. Does any of this sound familiar? 
If you're afraid to have people over because your house isn't necessarily guest ready, you might have a little chaos. I, I, I'm not admitting to this, but maybe even, you know, somebody shows up at your door, they knock on the door, and uh, you, you know, pull the blinds real quickly, and you hide behind there and tell the kids, shh, be quiet, they'll go away. I don't know, anybody else, no, nobody else has done that either. Um, maybe, maybe you worry about that uh, if you invite people over for lunch that your kids don't behave or maybe aren't as polite as what they need to be at lunch. Maybe for you it's just that your life is, your life is so busy that uh, it's just hard to have people over. You don't have the space and the time to be able to have people over. And so chaos, sorry, chaos may be something that is, is in your life, something that you're experiencing. See, I think Nympha knew something that we may have lost sight of in our churches today. I think that Nympha recognized that chaos is unbiblical. And that when we don't invite people over, when we don't open up our lives to others, that they suffer and we suffer. I remember when I came to Oklahoma as, a, as an 18-year-old college student, I was studying at, at Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee. And uh, I, was, I was going to church in Norman, about half an hour away from Shawnee. And so every week I would go there. And uh, I, I remember that I was experiencing something that was very kind of foreign and strange to me. See, uh, I grew up in, in Washington State, and when I came to Oklahoma, I started experiencing some things that were just really different. You know, like when you drive down the highway and people, like, give you that, that wave, you know, that was really weird to me. Like, I, that wasn't something that was normal. Um, I, I remember, like, going into gas stations and total strangers would, would say hello to me. Um, and then when I started going to church in Norman, I, I met this pastor and his wife, and they would invite me over every Sunday for, for lunch. And not only that, they would, they would invite me to come to stay for the afternoon and to, to wash my laundry, which was a big thing for, you know, a college student. I needed to do that, um, you know, at least once a month. And so um, I, I, I just remember, you know, they opened up their home to me. And then later in the afternoon, they would, you know, they'd take me back to campus. They'd drive me back to campus. And that was something that was so strange to me. But I think that they recognized, like Nympha, that their home wasn't just their home. Their home was a place that God had given them. Their home was a place that God had given them to be able to do ministry and to welcome people into their lives. So we've gone from being a people in Oklahoma and I think even in the U.S. where that, that idea of Southern hospitality, and I would even say Christian hospitality, it's changed, hasn't it? In the last 20 years, it just seems like that's not the case. We've gone from being a, a people that had, you know, uh, chairs sitting on the front porch where you would engage with your neighbors in the afternoon to having high fences in the backyard and privacy fences. Um, we've gone from, from being a people that had an open screen door that anybody could come in to being a people that drive in to a garage and a, the garage door opens up in front of you and it closes behind you and it shuts out the world. Can I just say this? God's people aren't meant to have high fences and closed doors. And the reason why is because high fences and closed doors don't make disciples. See, 1 Peter says that believers are to cheerfully share their home with others. 
who need a meal or a place to stay. And in Hebrews 12, it says, uh, don't forget to show hospitality to the stranger, for some who have done this have entertained angels unaware. This is what Nympha did. She avoided the chaos. She avoided the chaos in her life, and she let people in so that they would have an opportunity to be able to hear the gospel. See, I think that Nympha, when she let people in, they, they probably saw some of the mess, right? I mean, they, they, they came into her home and they saw her dirty dishes. They walked past her, her flower beds that had weeds growing up in it. She probably even had kids that screamed during lunch and dis, disrupted the lunch. But, but Nympha was willing to do that because she knew that she had to avoid the chaos in order to let people in. There's another reason why I think that Nympha was remembered by Paul. Nympha embraced the mess. Nympha embraced the mess. Look, I, I have to admit it. I get it. Even as I prepared this message this week and uh, as I considered this, I, I personally was convicted as I thought about this. Because life is hard, right? I mean, my wife, she's in a, a nursing program right now. She's been doing the last 14 months in an uh, intensive nursing program. And life is busy. It's hard for us, you know? I mean, there's a lot of chaos that's going on in our house. And even the thought of just inviting somebody into that is really challenging. And so I know that. I know that we all experience life that's like that. You know, I think the other thing is that Life is busy, right? I mean, kids need to be taken from one thing to another, you know, from uh, baseball practice to soccer, and these are things that take up our lives, right? These are the things that make it difficult for us to, to invite people in. I think it's also hard because our lives are messy, right? I mean, we can admit it. I'll admit it. I thought about showing a picture of my kids' rooms, you know, to show, demonstrate messiness, but I'll spare them that. But seriously, our lives ourselves, we're messy people, and other people's lives are messy. And so when we invite other people into our lives, and we expose and show some of the mess in our lives, that is hard, right? And it's hard to walk alongside other people that have messy lives. And yet, what better place is there for people to be able to know that there is a God who changes everything, right? We talk about that here at Central, that Jesus changes everything. And that's, there is no better place than when we invite people in and allow them to see that, yes, our lives are messy. Our children are messy. There are, our relationships with others are messy. And yet, we're able to give them a display of this is how Jesus has changed our lives. I think the other thing is, is that we substituted uh, real openness and real relationship with others with something that's easier. You know what I mean? With social media, I can take a picture and everybody can see my beautiful house. I can put that Insta filter on there, you know, and like take it in just such a way that it looks like my backyard and my kids and everything is perfect, right? And yet in doing that, we, we block people out and we substitute it for something that is so much greater. How many of you guys, we just celebrated 4th of July. How many of you guys uh, did some fireworks this, this week? Anybody? Let's see some hands out there. Okay, good. I see lots of hands with five digits on it. I'm glad to see that. Um, that's good. 
Man, it's awesome, right? Like, I love the 4th of July. I love being able to do fireworks and, you know, being able to, to set those off. I, I, it's one of my favorite memories, I think, that I have as a, as a kid was being able to celebrate the 4th of July with my family and my friends and, and being a part of that. And, you know, when you're, when you're down there and you're, like, lighting the fuse and, you know, you run away really fast. My mom was always screaming. She's watching this, I'm sure. So she was like, get away from that, you know. And, uh, you know, then it, the flash, right, and the big boom and that smell of sulfur. There's just nothing really like it, right? I mean, it's just it's something that's, <laughs> I know, I sound kind of like a pyro, don't I? Uh, it is, it's just so exciting. It's, and it's something that, you know, I think probably for all of us, we, we have those great memories of spending Fourth of July celebrating with our family. How many of you have seen a fireworks show on television? You know, maybe like you've seen like New Year's, you know, they, they set off the, the, the fireworks over the Sydney uh, Opera Theater there in, in Australia, or, you know, maybe like in New York Times Square, you know, they set off fireworks. You know, when you watch those, it's, it's not quite the same, is it? It's not just, it's, there's just something about it. It's just not quite as good as being there in person. It's just, it doesn't feel quite as real. See, I fear that in the church, we may have done that. We may have substituted something that is good for something that is so much better, right? Something that leaves us longing. I mean, when we substitute it, it leaves us longing for something so much more. There's just something about being in a room with other believers face-to-face that when we are together, something happens. It's why uh, the writer of Hebrews, he, he wrote this in, uh, in Hebrews. He said, do not neglect meeting together as some have become in the habit of doing in Hebrews 10, 25. It's also why Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with you. See, I, I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But there's something that happens when people are face to face, when their minds and their hearts, their attention is focused on God Something happens. Jesus shows up. God shows up. He says that he's there with us. We want to be careful that we don't substitute something that is so much better for something that's not quite as good. When we refuse to open up our lives and substitute real community, real relationships with others, we, we miss out. We personally miss out on that. The church misses out. But I think the other thing is that the... the uh, the world misses out on that as well. A few years ago, uh, while we were still serving overseas, we had a colleague that was, was serving in the same country that we were. It's a, a hostile and restricted nation where it's illegal to be a missionary. And um, this, this colleague of ours, uh, his, we're going to call him Ethan this morning, he uh, was getting kind of word that his name was coming up quite a bit as some of the students that he was working with uh, as they were being interrogated by the National Security Bureau uh, there in that country. So think like FBI, NSA, that kind of, those kinds of folks. So his name was coming up quite frequently, and um, they decided that they were going to go back to the States for a time during the holidays. And so they, they, they went home, and his, his son was studying at a, a pretty large state school up north. He was doing his master's degree and while he was doing that, he was also leading a, a Bible study for international students. And so these international students, most of them were PhD students. And uh, so he 
he knew that his, his parents were home, and he called up his dad. He said, hey, dad, um, I'm leading this Bible study, and it's the holidays. You know, Thanksgiving is coming up, and I'd really like to host uh, an American Thanksgiving. I, wa- I want to, you know, have the whole, the whole thing. You know, let's make a, a, a Thanksgiving dinner, you know, the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the, the green bean casserole and, you know, all of the things, all the fixings for an American Thanksgiving. I want to invite these international students to it. And I want to tell them about Thanksgiving and why we celebrate it and who it is that we're thankful to. And so Ethan, uh, you know, he and his wife, they flew up and, and met him up there. And, you know, we're going to make this dinner. So that day they, they were in the kitchen and they were preparing all the fixings for it. And Ethan was uh, taking the turkey. He was about ready to slide it into the, the oven. And uh, there was this, this uh, girl, this student, that was there inside the, the kitchen with him, and he was getting to know her as they were, they were preparing the meal. And her name was Lydia. And, you know, as he was getting to know her, was asking her questions, what are you planning on doing in the future? And, uh, you know, what, what, are, you know what, what does your family do back in the country where you're from? And so she, she began to explain that her dad... Uh, was the director of the National Security Bureau in the same country where they had just come home from. And so he kind of, you know, uh, chuckled and was like, uh, yeah, I think your dad is looking for me. And so uh, they, they continued to have their conversation, and she shared about how back home, you know, that she, um, she just lived a very different life. You know, when she came to the United States to study and to do her PhD, she didn't come like I did with my two suitcases packed with a bunch, okay, I had more than two, but packed with a bunch of clothes. She came with two suitcases packed with stacked $100 bills, and she paid for her PhD in cash. See, she explained that when she was back in her home country, everywhere that she traveled, she traveled with a security entourage. Night and day, they watched her. Because of, who, because of who her father was. Somebody, Lydia was somebody that was completely untouchable with the gospel in her country. No one could even get near her. But because somebody was willing to open up their home, somebody was willing to offer, for the price of a Thanksgiving dinner, some turkey, some mashed potatoes, some green bean casserole, Lydia then had an opportunity to be able to hear the good news of Jesus. This morning, I wonder, what is it that God is asking you to do? How is it that he's asking you to open up your life so that others would be able to have an opportunity to hear about Jesus? For some of us, that means that we need to avoid the chaos, right? It means that we need to open up our lives and think about, consider, who is it that he has put into our lives? Who's around us? Maybe that's coworkers. Maybe that's neighbors that you have in your, in your cul-de-sac. Maybe that's the teenagers that your kids bring home. I don't know who those people are, but God has put you in a place specifically to be able to engage the people that are around you. When we don't do that, They miss out, and we miss out. For some of us, we need to acknowledge the the messiness, and we need to embrace it, right? We need to be able to say that it's okay for our house not to be in, you know, guest condition. 
and invite people in. For some of us, it means that we need to be able to schedule time. Maybe your life is so busy. Life is busy, guys. I get it. Life is busy. But God has given us the same amount of time, each one of us. And we may need to schedule out time that we can leave open so that we can be intentional about inviting other people in. Maybe for some of you this morning, you're just here kind of checking things out. And, you know, you, you're just checking out who is this Jesus. There's an epidemic of loneliness that is spreading across our country. And maybe that's where you find yourself this morning. I want you to know you're not alone. There's a God that loves you. There's a God that laid down his life so that he could have a relationship with you. And Central is a place where we want you to be able to meet that God. It's not only a place where you can be known and where other people can know you, but it's a place where you can connect with Jesus. And so this morning, if that's you, if you've never had an opportunity to meet Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity. We've got people in our connection room. We've got people out in the hub. And I just encourage you this morning, don't leave this place unless you've had an opportunity to be able to connect with him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for Nympha. We thank you for the example that she is, how she opened up her life to others, how God, she was willing to avoid the chaos, embrace the mess, and invite people in. Because God, she knew that her life was something that was best when she opened it up to others, that it was something that you could use. And so, God, we ask this morning that you'd help us to know how we can respond today. Help us to know how we can invite others in, how they can be a part not only of our lives, but how they can be a part of knowing who you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and respond. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Sing that one more time And all my life you have been
So this morning, as we close out our service, we like to close it out by saying the purpose of why we're here. The Central Baptist Church, it's up here on the screen. Central Baptist Church, we exist to live for Christ, to love people, and to make disciples. Let's go do that this week.